We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of a pack a day podcast wherever you may be and however you may be listening thank you so much for making this part of your day my name is nick schmitz i'll be your host again this week i had a couple of weeks off had a uh some family in town last weekend and was at a wedding in Kentucky weekend before that so been busy April for me but um, back again with Mike and Gage and it's great to be back guys and we are now what we are today is Sunday April 24th the draft the first round is this Thursday so we are coming right up on it uh, it's always a fun time of year and uh, four picks in the first, what, 60, I think it is, somewhere in that range. We'll see if Green Bay does anything with their picks moving up. I know we've been doing a lot of draft coverage and uh, more of the same today. We're going to be taking a look at some potential uh, sleepers in the draft. And between uh, Mike and Gage and myself, we kind of did a little bit of uh, what we thought for some first-round sleepers, a couple second-round sleepers, and then we got a special sleeper at the very end that Mike came up with as a, as a fun idea for our last player that we'll be looking at. So, um, But Mike Gage, it's uh, great to be back with you guys after a couple weeks off. Uh, hopefully everything ran smoothly without me. I'm sure it did because I wasn't involved. So, um, But great to be back with you guys. And um, the first guy that we're going to be taking a look at here is uh, Drake Jackson out of USC. He's an edge uh, defender. Um, he's a junior, 6'3", about 255, um, good size hands, good vertical jump. Um, and, I mean, as we're looking at him, just some of the things I'm seeing uh, being written about him um, stays low when making inside uh, entry on a two-way go, um, good bend around the corner uh, for the edge, um, and just effective length to keep himself clean uh, with linemen. Um, and... I mean, Gage, when we're looking at this guy here, Drake, um, obviously uh, Green Bay could potentially use an edge rusher. I wouldn't say it's necessarily um, a position of need. Obviously, we'd be looking at depth for him. Um, and he's kind of projected to be – he's got the traits and talents to be, a, a, you know, an above-average player. So when we're looking at him, uh, you know, what are, what are we seeing with Drake Jackson? And, you know, uh, what do you like about him? And, uh, you know, do you think he would be potentially a good fit in Green Bay? 
So as you pointed out, it would probably be more of an edge, or it'd be more of a depth thing that a like primarily looking for at him as a starter thing. But as we've seen in the playoffs in recent years, you can never have too many pass rushers. Every team you can always, or every time a team wins the title, they have a boatload of them. We saw the Bucks last year with um, JPP, Shaq Barrett, and then they had drafted Joe Tryon in the first round, or Joe Tryon Shoyanka, I should say. And he, as even as a rookie, was making plays for him. And it helps to keep everybody fresh as you move forward. So even if Jackson wasn't starting right away, as we saw with Rashawn Gary, who wasn't the every-down starter when he was drafted, you can bring him along and he can be a depth guy and keep those other guys in front of him fresh. I, I do like Jackson. I think that he is a he's an interesting player, especially in a class with a lot of unclear kind of ideas, uh, pictures of what the edge is going to look like. There are a lot of edges that are expected to go in the early uh, first couple rounds of this draft, and it's kind of unclear after the first one or two what the order of those is going to be. There's kind of a clear top three or so, and then everything kind of starts getting real murky depending on who you're talking to. I like the fact that he is a he is a 3-4. Like, he's not necessarily going to be a traditional 4-3. He's just not that big for that spot. He's only 6'2 and a half, so he doesn't have a ton of height on him. He's only 254. So he fits right in with Green Bay. It's not a – I've never been a huge fan of the converting 4-3 ends to play 3-4 thing. Uh, I know we did it with Aaron Campman, and other teams can try and do it. It doesn't always work. I think that Jackson needs a little bit more. Uh, I think he needs a little bit more work in his hand fighting, but he's got time to do that. I do like his explosiveness, especially uh, like his first steps really good. And we know the Green Bay loves explosive first step uh, athletes. Just point and look at Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary if you need to see any more of that. So Jackson, interesting player probably in play at 28 if he's going to go in the first if not it'd be one of that uh, that early second round pick for green bay and mike when we're when we're looking at drake jackson here just some of the uh weaknesses i'm seeing here excessive arm tackling which um you know isn't always a great thing when you're talking about an edge rusher um lacks a little bit of physical demeanor at the point of attack um, and just uh, base isn't strong enough to fight through some redirection uh, with offensive linemen. I mean, obviously, you know, we're talking about him as a potential, you know, late round, you know, sleeper pick. Um, so obviously, you know, later round, you're not going to have all of the characteristics that you're necessarily looking for, maybe a top 10 player. But um, any concern with any of the weaknesses and then kind of what's your take on him? You know, again, kind of like I ask Gage, do you feel that he's a good fit for Green Bay? Answer that question. I do think he's a good fit. Uh, he fits all the athletic thresholds. He's 21. He just turned 21, so he's extremely young, which is what they always like to try and draft in the first round guys who are going to be really young in their second contract. Well, he's a guy where, again, sleepers can be any round. There can be, again, this guy's a sleeper for like pick 28. And I, I thought of this name when Zach Cruz kind of tweeted about it on Friday night, saying it could be a surprise for surrounder. He's super young, an elite athlete, a premium position. His broad jump was top-notch. His shuttle and three-cone were very good. Yes, he's a little short comparatively. But again, you can he can sit, he can learn for years the number three guy. And if they need to move on from Preston after this year or next year, he can step in. Like he, he's a guy where once you get most teams only have like 16 or 17 guys on their quote unquote first round draft board. So after that, it's gonna be just a cluster of guys. And he's a guy who could be rising up boards kind of quietly. I remember 
10 years ago when they drafted Nick Perry, he had fallen and then climbed back up into boards back in the first round. They took him out of USC. And he was another guy, big, strong, powerful athlete, a, a true edge guy. So if Jackson, he, he's a guy where if he, if he can refine himself and I trust they have the coaching staff to do it and uh, mentors like Preston Smith or Sean Gary to kind of guide him, he could be in play at 28. If not, they could always think about maybe trading down, get extra picks, get him early in the second too. Like there's guys like that, but he's a guy to keep your eye on. Definitely. He, he, he kind of fits that mold of what they want from an edge three uh, as a rookie year raw, but extremely talented, extremely athletic. And again, most importantly, again, an elite athlete and very, very young for this draft class. Yeah. And I mean, as I pointed out, you know, this would definitely be a pick for depth and not necessarily need, which is nice when you're talking about, you know, as you said, Mike, if they would have to move on from Preston after, you know, a couple of years, you know, he would be somebody that would be nice to have in that depth role, but you're not necessarily relying on him from day one to be an impact starter, uh, which is always a great thing to, to be able to have some of that depth, knowing that you have a high end, you know, high ceiling talent like him coming in and then not having to necessarily, you know, figure everything out by September, you know, 5th or whatever it is when, uh, you know, when the season's, you know, right around the corner. So um, definitely a depth pick. Um, be interesting to see if he's still there in the first round for Green Bay to, to pick him. And then obviously, um, you know, with it being a depth pick versus, you know, needs, um, not sure if Green Bay will go there, but uh, a good fit nonetheless. Uh, the next guy, Mike, that we're looking at here, a uh, name probably everyone's pretty familiar with at this point, David Ajobu out of Michigan. Um, he's a redshirt sophomore, 6'4", 250, a um, little bit smaller on the hands. I know everybody loves to talk about hand size, whether or not it matters or not, but uh, four or five for a dash. Um, and uh, just, you know, coming out of Michigan, um, some of the, 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 the pluses on him, um, he's got good speed to close down outside runs. Um, his rush is unpredictable and uh, unusually diverse, which can be difficult for tackles to deal with. And then just um, he has the ability to confuse tackles with, uh, with his footwork and stutter steps um, and has an ability to find a second gear at the top of the rush. All good things that we're looking at with him. Um, you know, another potential guy to be there in the first round uh, late for Green Bay. Mike, what do you think of David Ajobu? Do you think he'll be there for Green Bay? And then, I mean, obviously we're still looking um, with edge rush here. You know, again, it's not a need pick. It's it's a depth pick, just like Drake Jackson would be. But, um, you know, what do you think of Ajobu? And then given that we've talked about back-to-back -back edge rushers here between Drake Jackson and uh, David Ajobu, who do you like better for Green Bay, you know, if they would go with that depth uh, pick, you know, late in the first round one i do think he will be there at the end of round one if anything just because of his injury uh, a torn achilles is no joke especially for a bigger guy and also jabo is going to be take a little i think more work than drake jackson so i, I personally prefer jackson but jabo is purely a pass rusher he is not an edge setter right now. He is not a guy who's going to be a run defender. He, they, Michigan was pulling him off the field on on, on running downs. He, he's a guy who's going to be in there to have one job, and that's bend the edge, go get the quarterback. But it's not going to be in 2022. Uh, so if And we had kind of talked about this before we started recording, and Gage made the point where if they take a guy who they know is an immediate contributor at 22 that you know can, is going to play right away, you might take the home run swing and go for a guy like Ojabo at 28. Uh, he, he's got all the athletic tools you want. He's got all of the ability you want and, and, and talent. 
but he's got to make sure he's going to be healthy after the after this this time off from the Achilles, and he's got to be able to develop his game a bit more. He 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 is very very limited when it comes to his, his power, and his and his ability to hold the edge. But he can definitely turn the corner with the best of them. A four five five unofficial forty, that that thirty five inch vertical, ten foot two broad. Like that's 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 elite stuff. But we got to see what he can do. So it's it's a big big risk, but. It is a sleeper for me at 28. I wouldn't. Ex- I, it's something I wouldn't expect. So for me, that counts as a sleeper. I'm just very, very nervous about any type of injury like that for a guy who's going to need a lot of work anyway. Absolutely. Well, and Gage, you know, obviously the Achilles injury, um, always a big deal, regardless of position that you're looking at. So obviously that's a a big concern uh, when looking at it. But just in some of the other things here, um, this first one, obviously, always take it with a grain of salt because sometimes it means something and other times it doesn't. But I mean, he only played 20 games in his college career. It looks like a total of 620 snaps, so relatively low. Um, And then the other couple of things that I'm looking at here um, is he's currently projected as a liability against pro run game, uh, which I mean, we've talked about ad nauseum with Green Bay, um, obviously wanting to strengthen the run game. It's gotten better over the years, uh, but still something that, um, you know, is not necessarily, I don't know if I wouldn't use the word stellar to, to describe Green Bay's run game at this point. So obviously picking a player with an, an Achilles injury and then somebody that, you know, really doesn't, um, do well or isn't projected to do well against a pro run style offense. Um, you know, those are just obviously some concerns with them, but uh, you know, so what do you make of those concerns? And then obviously, like I asked Mike, I mean, you know, we're looking at Ojobu and Jackson here as potential late first round picks. Who do you like better between the two for Green Bay? Personally, I do prefer Drake Jackson. I think Ojabo is the better long-term player. His he does need work in the run game. You're not wrong there. He absolutely does. He's not an edge setter. He is a pass rush specialist. He's the guy that's going to win and make his money rushing the passer, which in the modern NFL, that is how you make your money. Uh, it is nice to have guys that can do both. He can't really do both at this time. I, I'm i spooked by the Achilles, but I'm not as spooked as I would have been a few years ago. Uh, did Cam Akers have the best playoff run? No. Did Cam Akers play less than seven months after tearing his Achilles? Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And he played in an NFL game. It's not like he went, and it's not like this was baseball where he went and had a minor league stint or basketball and he went and played in the G League. Cam Akers was out there starting against NFL linemen, and he did have a couple of decent runs. Ojabo, yeah, he's a bigger guy, but he's still only he's only two fifty. That's not crazy big. He is young. He's a raw player. I think he's got a high ceiling on him. And I think, as I said, as Mike pointed out before the podcast started, I said if you get a guy at twenty two, such as like let's use Chris Olave as an example. I think Chris Olave is a guy that's going to come in, and I think he can make an impact from day one. If you get a guy like that with your first first round pick, and then you can take Ojabo with your second first round pick, with the idea of yeah, he may not contribute to us in year one. That's okay. He can contribute to us in year two. When we when we really need to start doing something, and then now he's had two full years, he's had a year of seasoning plus, and then now he's working through and actually getting full game time reps. And he's also kind of young; he won't turn 21 until next month, so he's still got a he's still got or wait, well, he'll turn 22 next month. So he's a raw player; only play, didn't start playing football until he's junior or high school. So he's got he's got a lot of room to grow, I think, and I think that he can do a lot if you give them the opportunity to grow and get better so that's kind of where i was like green bay may not look at him just from the simple standpoint of he's not ready to contribute right away but at the same time we've seen them take guys before that weren't going to be week one year one starters in the first round rashawn gary jordan love they they don't have a problem doing that if they can see the future with a player Absolutely. And well, I mean, again, like we talked about with Green Bay, uh, it being a position of depth, not necessarily need. So um, obviously the injury makes it a little bit harder for him to contribute a little bit more like Drake Jackson would uh, in his rookie year. But nonetheless, it would be interesting to see if Green Bay um, takes him if he's still there, maybe at 28. Um, so next guy on our sleeper list here, this is kind of moving into the second round. Uh, we agreed this would kind of be fun to look at just from the standpoint, uh, you know, I mean, not every Packer fan is a Badger fan, but I'd be willing to bet a good majority of Packer fans are also Badger fans. So, uh, Leo Chanel is, um, our next guy on the list here, uh, if you are a Badger fan and you watched Wisconsin this past year, uh, the guy is all over the field. He's an excellent tackler. I mean, most Wisconsin linebackers. 
uh, typically come out like that. Uh, Wisconsin does a great job with their linebacker core. Um, he's 6'3", 250, uh, four, five dash time there. Um, and just, you know, obviously being a Wisconsin player, uh, Wisconsin obviously is very defense and run oriented. And so coming out of Wisconsin, you're going to have a lot of what looks good um, coming out of the Big Ten. They always look good, obviously, uh, at Wisconsin. Whether or not it always transmits to the NFL is a different question. But, um, Gage, what do you like about uh, Leo Chanel? I mean, obviously, it would be fun. Uh, we all know about the last time uh, Green Bay had an opportunity in the first slash second round uh, to pick a former Wisconsin linebacker. Everybody loves talking about that. So, um, not necessarily the same level as T.J. Watt, uh, obviously, but uh, do you like Leo Chanel in the second round? And, I mean, obviously Green Bay, they've kind of figured some things out with um, with their, you know, inside linebacker with Devondre Campbell coming back. But, I mean, um, adding some depth there wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. So do you like him in Green Bay? And, I mean, what do you think about him as a potential second-round pick? So I've always been the – the non-Wisconsin guy on this podcast. Whenever it's come down to seeing a Wisconsin player, I'm able to kind of separate myself from the the bias that so many people have when listening. And I can be like, okay, is he actually good? Or is it just he went to Wisconsin? And so that's why we think he's good. And I'm here to say Leo Chanel is actually good. This guy is a, he's a linebacker that can play early downs. He is a run he's a run focused guy, which makes sense because Wisconsin is a team that likes to defend the run and they've been very good at it for a long time under Jim Leonard. They are a blitz he is, looks good in a blitz heavy scheme that can give him variety of options, uh, especially quality coverage options behind him, which a secondary featuring Jagger Alexander, Adrian Amos, Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage and Rasul Douglas gives him just that. So he's not necessarily the best coverage guy yet, but he can develop there and he's got plenty of help behind him. He's a, he's a great tackler, which is perfect for like in the run game. He's a great athlete. He was on Bruce Feldman's freak list, freaks list for this last year. He's a true junior, 255 pounds, but still running four or five is just crazy freaky athlete. I love everything about the kid just from the stand. Like, do I wish he was a little bit better in pass coverage? Sure. But there's a reason he's being picked in the second, second round rather than the first round. And it all comes down to the fact that he's not necessarily the best in coverage. Guess what? We got plenty of guys that can help out in coverage. If you can come in and be an impact linebacker on, on from, from day one, especially in the run game for this, for this team, he gives me a lot of vibes to a to another Wisconsin linebacker from the, uh, from a few years back, and it's not T.J. Watt. It's Chris Borland. Chris Borland was a, was not necessarily the best athlete, but he came in. He was able to make an impact from day one because of what was between the ears. And I think that Leo Chanel being a better athlete, while still having a lot of the similar qualities in terms of the on field play, I think Chanel can come in and impact and challenge for a starting spot from day one if we're being completely honest here yeah well i mean he would definitely be a fan favorite obviously coming out of wisconsin again i know not every packer fan is a badger fan but again like i said i'd be willing to bet most uh most packer fans are badger fans and so mike when we're looking at leo chanel here um obviously we kind of went over some of the good things gage touched a little bit on the uh below average uh in pass coverage um, just some of the other things I'm seeing here um, looks like more guessing than recognition of blocking schemes. 
um, and then lacks desired instincts and discipline navigating through traffic, which can, um, you know, obviously be, you know, teachable things. And uh, obviously, uh, as Gage touched upon, I think there's a lot in between the uh, the ears there, which uh, is pretty common for Wisconsin linebackers. But um, obviously, in the second round, you know, any concerns with Leo Chanel, or are we kind of thinking that he'd be a good fit with Green Bay if he is taken in the second round. For ever every team, he's a guy, and yes, his instincts and maybe his wrecking his diagnosis stuff isn't great, but he is he has been a downhill sea ball hit ball guy, going back to high school, and and I'm Gage, I'm thankful that you're the you're the kind of the voice of the reason because I remember watching Chanel in high school when he's at Grantsburg, and he was an all state running back. He was the state player of the year, had 42 touchdowns as a running back his senior year. And his final game had 23 tackles in a playoff game against two against what was it, the eventual state champions that he lost to. His RAS score is 9.99. This guy is only thing anything below nine on the RAS is his height, his shuttle, and his three cone. Those are all still above eight. He is as a freaky athletic as freaky as athletic gets. He is crazy strong. He can jump through the through the roof. He ran a four five, which no one expected. He he's a blitzer extraordinary. Like Gage said, he he he's a guy who's going to get in the traffic. He's going to hit running backs and make them feel it. He had he had multiple games of three plus tackles for loss last year, and and I love him as a second round prospect. He's a guy where I think if you need him, you can move him outside if you if you need to do that kind of hybrid like they tried with Oren Burks and failed the past couple years. He's an early down run defender and. Like Gage said, if you have guys behind him who can cover, and Devondra Campbell is one of those guys who can cover behind him, he is like the perfect complement to a guy like Campbell. As a sleeper with that first, second round pick, I think that's absolutely in play if he's there. I'm not sure he will be. I think he's a guy who's going to skyrocket up boards as we get closer to draft day. But you, you you don't see Wisconsin linebackers this athletic, and that's always been the knock is they, they're good tacklers or fundamentally sound. Shell's the best athlete to come from that defense in a long time. And he's a guy where he was thought of very highly as a freshman. And so I'll, I definitely, I'll, I'll claim bias here. Cause again, I watched him in high school. I watched him all three years in college. You can go find on his social media videos of him benching 40 plus reps as a freshman. But at round two, I, I, I want him in green Bay. I think he would be a great fit and he would immediately be a fan favorite right away. Cause he would just go bonkers hitting everything that moved Whoever maybe don't have him involved in uh, joint practices with other teams, because then we may get a Lonnie Johnson situation where he may knock out an opponent. Yeah, well, definitely would be a fan favorite. And uh, interesting with Green Bay, I mean, it it feels like it's a little bit of depth because obviously you have Devondre Camp on the contract, but um, adding someone behind him or to play alongside of him on maybe some early downs wouldn't be a terrible thing. So um, Leo Chanel, obviously, a little, like I said, a little bit of uh, for depth, but also a um, little bit of a need there uh, if something were to happen to Devondre Campbell. So um, the next guy that we're going to be looking at here is and I believe you guys talked about him either last week or the week before, um, is a cornerback out of uh, Texas San Antonio, Tyreek Woolen. Um, this guy is 6'4 and 205 pounds. And I'm looking here, so his 40-yard dash time uh, is 4.26. And it got me thinking. Um, I looked up Jair Alexander's 40-yard dash time because uh, he, too, was very fast coming out of Louisville. 
Uh, Jair Alexander's 40-yard dash time, according to the uh, NFL.com, was a 4.38. So Jair Alexander's also 5'10". So take all the speed of Jair Alexander and then put in the height of a 6'4 wide receiver, and you've got this nice corner out of Texas San Antonio um, who could be potentially a big sleeper. Um, so, Gage, in looking at Tyreek Woolen, I mean, what do you like about him? I mean, just some of the basic numbers, just looking at him in general, 6'4", great size for a corner, covering some bigger receivers, um, and then being able to run with those guys. That's not necessarily a combination you always see with corners. Usually the bigger the corner gets, maybe a little bit slower than, than, uh, than most. But, I mean, that's great speed, great size. Um, he's a redshirt senior, so a little bit on the older end, but um, what makes him a potential, what, we're looking maybe a sleeper in the late second round? Probably second, third round is likely, likely where we're going to go. A couple of uh, lists I want to mention real quick. Obviously, the Feldman Freak list, I've already mentioned it once. I'm going to mention it again. Tariq Wallen was number six on Bruce Feldman's freak list last year. If you guys don't, and also for anybody listening that doesn't know what that is, uh, Bruce Feldman is a writer for The Athletic, and he puts out a, he's put out a freaks list for a many, many years now, and it's always the freakiest, twitchiest athletes in the country that play college football. And Tariq Wallen was sixth on that list this last year. Uh, some of the other names on there, like Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Devontae, Devontae Wyatt, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, just nothing, a lot, a lot of studs. And Tariq Woolen was sixth on that list. His, I know Mike and I mentioned him last week on our cornerback episode. His spider chart for from Mock Draftable is it's it's purple and it's purple everywhere. The only thing that isn't 90th percentile or better was his hand size, which. When you're six four and a two hundred five pounds, I'll go ahead and I'll sacrifice a little bit of hand size for just how big you are at everything else. His mo- most common comparables are Xavier Rhodes, Jamel Dean, Eric Stokes, Akella Witherspoon, J.C. Horn, Jason Jalen Ramsey, uh, Ahmad Gardner, who's going to be a top ten pick this year, Israel Mukwamba, who was drafted last year. Just it's nothing but guys that played in the NFL or currently playing in the NFL. And uh, most of the, a lot of those guys were either pro bowlers or high draft picks and it played very well. They don't make guys that are this big and this athletic and they don't, they don't, they just don't come around very often. And I think that green Bay has shown a willingness to take a risk quote unquote on freaky athletes when the chances available to them, we saw them, Go and they took Sam Shields is a name who we kind of talked about before before we started the podcast on ooh, who does this guy compare to uh, Green Bay fans might not be a huge fan. And then because but originally when you said who does he compare to, I was like, you got a corner with a lot of athleticism, converted wide receiver. I was like, I went Sam Shields because but here's the difference. Tariq Woolen is much bigger. Still got great speed. But he's bigger. I, 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 there's nothing I don't love about him right now. I think that he is a, I think he's going to take, needs time to develop. He's going to be a, he's going to be a zone situational press guy, which that's what Green Bay only ever runs. Green Bay always runs the zone defense where they occasionally go into press coverage, which, as everybody knows, I love press coverage more than I love zone coverage, but I don't get, I, there's a reason I'm not calling the defense. So, I think that he's, when he's allowed to get up and play and use his size to his advantage, I think that he can do a lot of really good things. So I would love him to come to Green Bay and get to develop in a room that already has a lot of talented corners. He's a little on the older side, but I'm willing to deal with that for the just the pure size that I'm getting from the player. 
Absolutely. Well, and, you know, Gage, you had mentioned there um, at the end, maybe the only reason why Green Bay wouldn't go after him is because if they were to draft him, he's probably at best day one, your fourth starting corner behind. I mean, obviously you have Jair Alexander, you have Eric Stokes, and they signed Rasul Douglas. So, I mean, that's going to be your trio there, Mike. Um, so, obviously, um, it probably wouldn't be – not that he couldn't. I mean, obviously, any player that plays well, if you play well, you're going to start. You're going you're gonna to find yourself some playing time. But, I mean, for you, Mike, is the second, maybe even the third round, a little high for a position that Green Bay this year – um, maybe doesn't, you know, obviously we've talked about drafting for depth with edge rusher. This seems like drafting for depth at a position you maybe don't really need to do so. Um, obviously, that being the case, um, you don't necessarily always, you know, everybody's got a little bit of a different draft draft philosophy. Uh, some people will just say, hey, take the best player on the board. Um, and if he happens to be the best player on the board when they're drafting in the second or third round, maybe you take him. Um, other people are insistent on take what you need because obviously that's what you need at that time. So um, any concern with Green Bay potentially taking a corner in the late second, early third round? I don't think he's going to be available past the second round. Uh, he is climbing up boards now. He is he is the freakiest of freaks, like Gage said. Uh, and when you read Feldman's freak list that he revisited right before the combine, when they kept GPS at UTSA with guys running, he was constantly hitting over 23 miles per hour running. That's absurd. So, I mean, he's keeping up with, with city traffic while sprinting. Like, that's crazy. And you can never have enough good corners you can never have enough guys who can run. And even if he doesn't play right away, he ends up being cornerback four. Do you know where that speed and size is going to have really help? Special teams. He's going to be a, he'll immediately step in as a gunner. He'll be a kick coverage guy. Get him down the field. He'll force a ton of fair catches if you put him out there. And well, he needs work in his agility. His three cone and shuttle were not good. Those are his only really weaknesses from his RS. Otherwise, it was almost perfect. It was a 9.7. He's a guy who you can develop. You still have young guys in uh, Jair and Stokes. Rasul is fairly young as well. I mean, that would be a quartet that would be unbelievably difficult to throw at. And a guy like him, and again, for us, we can, like most people may hear sleeper. They think a seventh round guy who we'll talk to about in a minute, a seventh round UDFA guy, like guys who people are talking about. These are guys who could be sleepers that you pick them on. Like they could trade up for Woolen, and I wouldn't be surprised, and I would be cheering. I think this guy could be that good, and it's just it's something that you can never do. You can just never have enough good corners. The most important positions besides quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, top corner. Get as many corners as you can who you know can cover, and get an elite athlete. If I mean, if this guy jumps a route, he's gone. Like there, there's so many things I love about this this player, and the Packers have a knack of these small school guys developing. And this was again. 15 years ago, and we I, and I said this last week, they took an a unknown corner from Bethune-Cookman in the second round, moved him to safety. The guy's name was Nick Collins. Now, is he going to be Nick Collins? Probably not. But the Packers have a tendency of looking at some of these small school defensive backs who are just stupid athletes and taking them and developing them. So I, I think Woolen would be just a home run pick for me in round two. All right, well, we interesting to see that. Yeah, well, it definitely wouldn't be what people would expect, um, but definitely, you know, 
good athletes are hard to come by, so if you can find them, take them. Uh, Mike, you kind of set me up here well for this last guy we're going to talk about. So before we get into it, because uh, as we were as we were kind of talking about it, if, if you guys have you guys seen the movie Moneyball? I assume most people have, but have you guys seen that movie before? Yes, I've Baseball seen Moneyball. Movie. I it. Yes. Okay. All right. So I was watching Moneyball the other day, and there's that scene where they're they're trying to replace uh, what was it, uh, Giambi and uh, Damon. Giambi, and- Johnny Damon, and then uh, Isaac. Uh, I can't remember his last name. It's the pitcher. I know that. Right. And, well, and it's the famous scene where Brad Pitt. Uh, oh, I, I can't even think of the guy's name that from from real life, but he's going through and he's figuring out the batting average. Billy right? Bean. Or the on base. The, the on base. Uh, yeah, Billy Bean. They're they're figuring out the on base percentage, and this is what he's he's going through, and he's 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 tossing up player names, and the last one that he tosses on the board is Scott Hatterberg. And in the scene, as soon as he tosses that name on the board, there's a one of his scouts says who, and Billy Bean's response was he sounds like an Oakland A already. Um, and so this last guy, whether or not he sounds like a Green Bay Packer already or not, um, he's definitely. Not somebody, I mean, we're looking late seventh, very late seventh, or probably undrafted free agent, but could potentially be an interesting player. Um, this was one that Mike pitched to us. So, Mike, I'll start with you. Uh, Britton Covey, he's a wide receiver out of Utah. Um, and if you don't know him, uh, I don't blame you, but you may know him without having actually known him. If you watched the Rose Bowl this last year, uh, Britton Covey uh, returned, what was it Was it a punt, Mike, or a kickoff? I want to say it was a kickoff or a touchdown. Um, and I remember also, yeah, kickoff. And uh, I also, he, he had a, a memorable one. If I was just watching late one night when they played Oregon uh, near the end of the year. Oregon was punting the ball right before halftime with about five seconds. They actually kicked it to him, and he ran it back 80-some yards for a touchdown. So he's definitely a special teams player. So he plays wide receiver. He's 5'8", 170 pounds. Uh, we talked about it a little bit pre-show. I think what uh, Gage, you said he's 25. Um, so yeah, he's, he's 25. On- he, his first college season was 2015. So first college season 2015, he's been in the league or he's been in college for, you know, quite a while. Um, So obviously very small, uh, both height and weight wise, but he is a very dynamic returner. So, uh, Mike, when you look at uh, Britton Covey, what do you like about him? Is it I mean, granted, Green Bay special teams all around have been so atrocious. Um, I mean, it wouldn't be bad to have a special team specific guy on the team, but is he somebody that you, in your mind, if Green Bay got him, whether draft or undrafted free agent, I mean, is he somebody that his career is always going to be just kind of a return specialist? Um, or are we looking at somebody who, I mean, we talked New England might be the, uh, you know, the stereotypical place for this guy to go to, but what do you like about him and what do you see in him? He's a, he's a kicker. He's a kicker and punter, and he's very, very good at it. Again, he played, yeah, like Gage said, his first year was 2015. He took years off. I think he went on, a, on his mission. But then he came back and played four years from 2018 to 2021. Three years over 40 catches. He's not going to be a receiver. Again, 5'8", 170. He's a little guy. But you talked about that punt return against Oregon. Coach William called timeout to make sure that they were going to get a chance to run that play. He trusted him that much, and then he took it back. 
He took a kickoff back into Ohio State after Ohio State was starting to get momentum. He took it back 97 yards in the Rose Bowl. He made big plays at the biggest moments in big and huge games for the Utes in a very good Utah team. He's 25. He is only going to be a special teams guy. But how often was since Winston's Allen Rossum have the Packers had a guy who was just a returner and that was their only job. So they focus on that. You make sure you're good at it and you know, he's going to be a net positive every time they make that play. Is Britton Goldley ever going to be a day one or two pick? Heck no. He's a seventh round pick at best. And that's if you're worried another team could claim him as a UDFA. You he's he is the ultimate like day three. Make sure we get this guy in our in our training camp in the seventh round pick as it gets. You bring in a returner, the definition of sleeper. You let him in there. He makes it if he makes the team, you don't worry about that position until he's gone. He he's a guy where he, he all he does is make plays as a as, as a kick returner. So I that's a guy for me is the true definition of a of what people consider a draft sleeper. Seventh round guy. I think you t- I think you can take a flyer on him and take out a guy who made big returns in the biggest moments when his team needed him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, and I mean, Gage, when we talk about returning, I mean, how many different return men has Green Bay gone through in the last, what, three, four years? Um, You know, Tyler Irvin was probably the best, most consistent one that they had. I mean, even last year, they were at one point, they put Randall Cobb back there just because they knew he would actually catch the ball on punts and hang on to it. Um, You know, Maybe it's a position that Green Bay doesn't overly value or they view it as a position where you don't have a guy on your roster specifically just to do one thing. Um, So, I mean, when we talk about him, he's probably not going to be anything more than a return specialist. But given how bad Green Bay's special teams would have been, um, might be interesting. But, I mean, do you like taking a player, um, obviously, he that, you know, you kind of go in knowing that, hey, this is all you're going to do, and that's fine, uh, provided that you can do it well and, and be good at it. But uh, what do you think about Britton Covey? I mean, I've, you were the one that pointed out his age being 25, Um what do you think? Late, late seventh round pick, unrestricted free or undrafted free agent? As Mike said, if he gets picked, or if you pick him in the seventh round, it's just because you think somebody else is going to pick him up. Granted, Green Bay does have one, two, has four total picks in the seventh round. Uh, they have a pick that they got in the trade for Kadar Hallman, and then they have their own, and then two pick uh, comp picks for Corey Lindsley and Jamal Williams. I understand Green Bay has never been a fan of the whole, oh, we'll we'll say we don't want to waste a roster spot on just a return guy. Maybe you should. Have you seen your special teams? Have you seen your returners? Have you seen the issues you have back there? As you just pointed out, Nick, how many returners have they gone through in the past three or four years? Way too damn many to count. 
I get it. I get that, quote-unquote, wasting a roster spot on a return-only guy is a bad thing. But if your return game isn't getting better, why do you continue to do the same thing? Address the damn address the spot. Fix it. You're doing the same thing over and over. You're you're not ever changing anything, and then you're confused why stuff isn't getting any better. So that's all I'm seeing here, as I'm seeing Green Bay continuing to do the same things over and over and expecting a different result. It's the definition of insanity. So I don't I don't personally get it. I don't understand why they don't devote a roster spot to him. If you pick Kobe and he's just a return guy and all he ever does for you is return and returns at a high level, who cares if you spend a roster spot on him? He makes the football team better. If a guy comes in and makes your football team better, that's all that matters. Nothing else matters at that point. If he's a guy that plays winning football and helps you get better, that's a win. There's nothing else you can ask for at that point. So I don't hate it. Yeah, he's 25. He's older, but... Who cares? You have a quarterback that's like 38 going on 39. You don't care about age. You care about winning. And if he helps you win, that's what matters. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, we, we talk about it. I'm 100% in agreement with you there, Gage. Um, if he's making big plays in the return game, I mean, we think about, we take it for granted how easily Aaron Rodgers makes it look when they we, we don't get a return and we're starting from the 20 or the 25 and how easy he makes it look to just make 75, 80-yard drive, score touchdowns. Well, imagine if you have somebody out there shortening the field to, you know, 50, 60, 65 yards instead of 75 or 80 yards, and then having Aaron Rodgers in that same position, just having to do it on a much shorter field. And, I mean, when was the last time – I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a legitimate question because I don't know the answer. Um, when was the last time Green Bay actually returned a kickoff for a touchdown? I don't actually know the answer to that. The the one I can actually think of Randall is Cobb, Ra- I think yeah, that was Randall Cobb was the one that came to mind in 2011 his rookie year against the Saints. They may have had one before then. I don't remember it. And as far as punt returns, I don't think they've returned one for a touchdown since Micah Hyde's been on the team in like 2014. Uh, you know, I, again, I could be wrong with that. Per stat muse, the last time a, the Packers returned a kick, return for a, return to kick for a touchdown was against the Saints on September eighth, two thousand eleven. Okay, and is there anything in there about that's first ever game? I'm yeah. I'm che- last punt return December twenty eighth, twenty fourteen against the Lions. Yep, then that's the last one I remember as well. So I mean, they have had a couple called back for from flags. I know Trevor Davis had at least one that he returned a punt for a touchdown, but it was called back due to a penalty. But I do so they have had chances but they haven't actually scored on them. Meanwhile, I'm pretty sure every other team has like four in that time. So Right. Exactly. And and then I mean and beyond that, I mean <laughs> yeah, but, and beyond that, I mean, I don't know the exact stats off the top of my head, but I can guarantee you they're probably in the low 20s, you know, just average kickoff return yards, average punt return yards, I'm sure for Green Bay have not been that great as of late. So, I mean, again, it's a it's a three-phase game. You have special teams for a reason. Um, you know, put, put, put something into it if you think it's going to make the team better. If you don't think it's going to make the team better, then yes, don't don't waste a roster spot on somebody you don't think is going to make the team better. But could be an interesting guy to look out for. So um, that's, that's the fun one to keep your eye on uh, as we go into late into the seventh round. And then potentially, if he's not drafted, maybe he's somebody Green Bay brings on as an undrafted free agent. So, um, well, that'll do it for today, uh, you know, about 45 minutes later. So uh, always a good time talking with you guys. Gage, real quick, people want to get in touch with you, follow your work. How can they do that? 
as always, you can find me on Twitter at GBridgeFitNFL. All of my work for all of my various sites is over there. Uh, still doing mostly Denver Nuggets coverage uh, for DenverStips.com. Uh, just recently started the Believe in Nuggets podcast, being which is hosted by the Believe Podcast Network. That is coming out currently about twice a week. Regular season's getting or the season's getting ready to end, so it'll probably go down to just once a week, maybe a couple bonus episodes here and there around the draft or free agency. But for now, just uh, twice a week. And then links to that always on my Twitter for whatever podcast platform you listen to. Uh, and then maybe some NFL and betting content here. Uh, otherwise, and again, always on my Twitter, easiest place to find everything I do. All right. And Mike, if people want to follow your work, get in touch with you, how do they do that? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike Lemon. It's all one word. I'm writing for Wisconsin Sports Heroics right now. I'm one of their Brewers writers. I'm doing weekly recaps of their games, breaking down what happened and what's going right or wrong uh, for Milwaukee as they try and make a playoffs for, I think, the fifth straight year now. And, of course, as a broadcaster, I work for Zaleski Sports in, in central Wisconsin. Uh, so you can find all the work there at ZaleskiSports.com. I actually had a doubleheader before I came back home to record this with you guys. I have five days next week, including four baseball games and two soccer games. So you can find again, all that at Zaleski and stay tuned again next week. We'll be recapping day three. So we'll see who comes into town and we'll see what, who would break down in rounds five through seven. All right, there you go. And then as always, you can follow me on Twitter at producer Nick LB. Um, although, like I say, every week I'm not super active on Twitter. So uh, follow at your own discretion. Uh, and one last thing before we wrap up here, Gage and Mike, I'm seeing this on Twitter. Just a little fun fact. So we're recording this to, uh, on Saturday, April 23rd. Obviously, it's going to be released Sunday, April 24th. But uh, so as of recording, uh, it says on this day in 2005, Aaron Rodgers is the 24th pick in the NFL draft to the Green Bay Packers. So what? That's what? 15, 17 years ago. Yesterday, when you're when you guys are listening to this, 17 years ago yesterday, Aaron Rodgers was the 24th pick in the NFL draft for the Green Bay Packers. So, just a little bit of fun draft trivia history there for you. So, uh, with that being said, Mike Gage, thank you again. Always great talking with you guys. Always fun. I'm always learning something from you too, which is always appreciated. So, uh, if I'm learning, hopefully the listeners are learning along with me as well, which is always a good thing. It's always what we're looking for. Draft time is always so much fun. Uh, the next time, like Mike said, that we'll be talking. Talking to you guys, there's going to be a whole slew of new Packer players on the roster. Well, not necessarily on the roster yet, but I mean, you know what I mean by that. Uh, we'll have plenty to talk about next week. Uh, we'll be doing coverage all the way up to the draft. We'll be recapping first round picks, second round picks. So stay tuned right here to the Pack a Day podcast. If you're not subscribed, make sure you're doing that to stay up to date on all of the latest and greatest topics that we're covering here. So, with that being said, thank you everyone again, as always, for listening. And as always, go Pack Go! It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. 
They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com